0: what I just um, expressed, but it is simply that um, I am blessed to be the house of the Lord. uh, And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, please do so. Uh, It is um, the power that will free you from the powers of this world and will give you the freedom to live a life of fullness and joy, uh, as we await the perfection of that fullness um, uh, when uh, Christ comes again, and we will be united uh, with our our family of God, with our God for eternity. Uh, and um, even with all that goes on in this world, and it is hard to read the newspaper. It is hard to listen to the news and not get depressed. Uh, the only protection against that is to know that we have a God who loves us, who is with us now, and has plans for eternity with us. Uh, and so we need to rejoice in that. And if, if uh, you have a loved one who has not come to know they need to see in you that joy. They need to see you in you rejoicing even in the presence of these sufferings, because they need to see that there is an answer, and they need to come to know that God is that answer. And the best testimony of that is our lives. And so when we live in a life that succumbs to the pressures and the and the struggles of this world, we are failing to give that testimony that God desires of us when he came to reside in us. Uh, and we need to live that. And so I get, again I say, it is great to be the house of the Lord. Uh, and that's why I've always felt total peace with wherever we are worshiping. Uh, you know, I don't care what building we're in, and I've never cared that we get shuffled from one building to another. Because this building is not the house of the Lord. We are. And we need to rejoice in that. Um, Today, I've given my title to my message, Great Expectations, Great Anticipation. Because I can't help but have great expectations and great anticipation when I read about what God has planned for us for eternity. Uh, Last week... I covered Revelation 19 and discussed the description of the New Jerusalem as the bride. And I covered the scriptures which reveal that the bride of Christ is us, the church. As demonstrated in many verses in the Old Testament, the Gospels, Epistles, and Revelation. The descriptive use of that marriage relationship is referring to the pure, intimate fully loving relationship that God intended for marriage. Not the tight marriages we have often experienced and accepted based upon the world's teachings. That gives us something to think about. Uh, This intimacy that God describes the relationship he wants with us in the terms of a marriage. And we should take to heart How much we've perhaps not embraced that as what God intended our marriages to be. Believe me, I am not preaching at you. I am coming to realize how far I have fallen short in in understanding the love, the intensity, the intimacy. That God designed for marriage until I've started to see that that's the relationship he wants with us. And, and and when I think about that, I think that's the relationship he wants us to have in our marriages and, and how uh, much I see that we sell that short in this world uh, It will change the way I handle the next marriage I perform uh, uh, because um, he's instilled in me a greater love, um, a greater respect for that. Um, That's the intimacy God has prepared for us. This week, the lectionary uh, calls us to another verse in Revelation, and so I'm going there. Uh, Revelation 22, uh, it has us working from um, select verses in that, verses 12 through 14, 16 through 17, and 20 to 21. And so I'm going to teach specifically from those, but I am going to cover those that are omitted in the lectionary, and and you'll learn why as I go through this. Um, But before I go specifically into my teaching, I, I do want to explain the evolution of my title. As I read this passage on the heels of the passage on last week, the title, Great Anticipation, struck me. Uh, as I studied the return of our Lord and the great wedding of the Lamb. The promise of all things new and the purity of God's intention for creation for eternal life with God. This is the message of the revelation. It is not merely a predictive prophecy of the judgment of the earth in the last days. It is a love song, an invitation, an intimacy of restful fellowship with the Creator. It is a love song, promising an eternal relationship for better and never again for worse. Uh, The vows we give on marriage, where we commit for better or for worse, what God tells us for eternity is it's going to be for better and it will never again be for worse. There will never again be worse for eternity. But again, we have that now if we choose to live it. It doesn't mean there, you know, there won't be the problems in the world. But we can have that peace and live with that joy now, even in the midst of these struggles, when we come to embrace that we are the home of our Lord that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, it will not take away the sufferings of this world, but will, it will help us to stand strong in the presence of them because we have in our eyesight that we have the promise of this eternity with our Lord. And he asks us now to live in that joy. He asks us to live in that victory because he has given us that victory. And he promises us that that victory will be for eternity. But he asks us to live in it now. Why? Because he wants more people to join us. He wants everyone to come to know. And the only way they can come to know is not from hearing me on Sunday. The only way they can come to know is to seeing you every day, living it, living that faith, living that joy. That's why he gives us this great revelation. It's not so we can look forward to it alone. I think he wants us to be looking forward to it, but he doesn't want us to be waiting for it. He gives us this so we can rest in that promise and rest in that assurance and stand strong in the presence of any attacks that Satan and the leaders of this world want to put on us. But he gives us this love song promise so we can know the depth of his love and what is waiting for us and what we can experience now if we will just embrace it. So as I was reading these things, how could I not read them with great anticipation and great expectation? Let's hear the promise in the verse that we're doing this week. Initially, I'll read verses 12 through 14. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city." I want to talk about that. Blessed are those who wash the robes. The great thing about that is it doesn't mean you have to be um, putting your robe through the washing machine multiple times. The fact of the matter is Jesus Christ did the work for us. He washed our robes. All we have to do is accept it and put them on. (laughs) Uh, And so blessed are you if you've done that. And blessed are you if you choose to do that. We are reminded by the eternal God and the judge of all people everywhere that the world's history as we presently experience it is approaching the end of all that and the new is coming. Christ will return soon. Now, God's soon and our soon are a little bit different. (laughs) Uh, We learn that to God, a day is like a thousand years. Uh, And and so, um, but I pray that whatever time it takes, it will take so that all who are destined to come to know God and, and, and to come into our family will do so. Uh, and, and so we can be patient if we embrace the knowledge that we have it in us now and we can live in it now. Um, yes, we can, and we can live with great expectation and great anticipation for the day when all of those in white robes will be raising their hands and praising God, uh, for eternity we can live with great expectation and great anticipation of that but our way of expressing that we understand that great expectation and that great anticipation is that we live it now i want to briefly cover revelation 22:15 18 and 19, which are the verses which the lectionary omitted. And I want to discuss them. Um, I think there's a reason why they omitted them because the the goal is to restrict the teaching to, uh, I think, that positive focus. And these other ones take a lot more study. Um, uh, The Reading Uh, I I first want to read 18 and 19 that that were omitted from the lectionary. Uh, 18 and 19 read, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city. Which are described in this scroll. I'm thinking, and I'm going to teach on this. (laughs) You know, that's scary wording. uh, If you um, if you read it um, as a threat, Uh, I want you to know I've I've studied that in depth uh, this week. And there is a dispute as to whether this warning applies only to Revelation because it does say the prophecy of this scroll or to the entirety of Scripture. On its face, it appears to only reference this book of Revelation because it's referencing this scroll and other wordings of it. However, I think it's a good warning to the teaching and application of all Scripture. A good analysis of the value of this warning was found in a site I went to called Daily Verse, and if you go to, my, go to the, our website when my teaching is posted, I provide you uh, the site to go to that. Uh, but, but their explanation of this is, If any man shall add unto them, they say, Those who allow this book to form a basis of unbridled fancy or a ground of bitter dispute and controversy cannot be excused from serious blame and fault. Certainly the importing of whole systems of theological speculations must be seen as forbidden. Wesley understood the prohibitions as applicable to the whole New Testament. God's word is neither a human discovery nor a human invention. We should recognize such truth in all our studies of the word of God. These words are solemn protest against the spirit which handles rashly or deceitfully God's word. Any violation of God's word, whether by adding to it or taking from it or by making one's wishes, the parent of his interpretation is strictly prohibited. The tendency of people to violate the word of God evidently underlies the efforts of some to make these verses not the words of the apostle, but of some later scribe, anxious that none should alter the book in the days to come." Um, you know that that is the teaching, and what I what I um, what I draw out of it is something that I've always been um, intimately concerned with, and that is the error of reading into Scripture what I want to hear, uh, and and I want you to know, I I fight and I wrestle with that to make sure that I don't do that. Um, and, I, and I pray to God constantly, don't let me interpret this just the way I want to hear it. Let me read your scripture and open it up to me the way you want me to hear it and what you want me to gather from it. Uh, and, and I think that's what this warning is, is more about, is, is not um, reading into things other than what God is saying. Take it to be what it is, and and embrace it, uh, and as I was reading it, um, I can recall. And one thing I the reason I don't teach from Revelation much is I find that the book can be controversial with so many people. And I and and when I read that in this writing of, by the Daily Verse that we're not to use the Bible as a weapon to fight with people about. (laughs) Uh, We're not to use it to speculate about things. Um, and, And as I've said, the book of Revelation is not for something where we can predict what the signs and symptoms are of the end times so that we can know when it's happening. We're to be looking forward to it. We're to be excited about it. We're supposed to live in great anticipation of it. And we're supposed to hope it's coming right now because we're looking forward to what it will be. But part of us is supposed to, as I said, not hope that it's coming right now because there's still people we want to get to join us. <laughs> and so we, wanna, we want to have hearts that want all, everybody to be involved. However, if it happens right now, I can trust God that everybody's on board, <laughs> that he's going to have on board. So I, I trust God with that. But what I don't worry about is when it's going to be. I just know the promises, it will be, and I can count on that. And now in the meantime, my job is to worry about now. My job, and when I say worry about it, I don't mean worry. What I mean is to focus on now because my job really is to not worry (laughs) because God's got that handled. And, And that's where the peace of God comes from. We read these promises, and God gives us these promises so that we can have peace. As Jesus said before he left this earth. In this world you will have troubles. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And that's what we have to remember. In these light and momentary troubles we have. We have these promises. That God wants eternity with us in an intimate marriage relationship. I mean, wow. The reality is he wants that with us now. And he will give that to us now if we live within it. And so, again, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to my own heart uh, to to have my heart and my mind embrace this, to know it, to accept it. And that's why, frankly, I'm always thankful that I get to do these teachings (laughs) because it helps me put this into the depth of my heart uh, where it can become more automatic that I think this way. That I, that I act this way, that I respond, uh, because the more I study. I want to keep this in mind about this as I go to the other verse that wasn't in the lectionary. And by the way, I wanted it not in the lectionary, because I don't want to teach on this verse. Uh, and that's why I'm going to teach on it, <laughs> uh, because I think part of this warning is we're not to avoid ones that challenge us that challenge our present mind. And so verse 15 is one of those. Because as we're talking about this great uh, um, city of living with this intimate relationship with God, we hear these voices that outside are the dogs. First off, I don't like that reference because I love dogs and they shouldn't be on the outside. They should be on the inside. <laughs> but, but I don't think he's talking about the dogs animals. Outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Now, I hear that and I see myself. I hear that and I see loved ones. And I hear that and I don't want to believe that they would be outside. Uh, And personally, I don't want anybody outside. And my theology cries out for, my, my personal theology cries out for universal salvation. And I, and I believe there is some possible truth to that in Scripture. But I always caveat by saying, listen, I'm not saying that that will automatically happen. And I, I do teach you, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to accept that invitation. But personally, I, I want you to know, I have this hope in my mind that when the dead who haven't accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior are faced with our risen Lord, they will be able to say, I believe, and that that will be good enough. I, I hope for that, but I don't teach that as truth because I can't fully establish it. And, and that, that is why... Um, when I read this, it it, it um, makes me wrestle with with my desired theology, and I have to teach that. You know, there are, there are many other places, by the way, that also would seem to indicate that some people will just never choose to accept. Um, and you know, my heart hurts for that, uh, and I think my heart's supposed to hurt for that. I think I'm supposed to hope that there will never be anybody who won't accept. Uh, uh, but other elsewhere in, in Revelation, we will see that um, there's you know Christ comes riding out on a horse with his armies behind us, and I certainly want to be part of that army. Uh, uh, but that the beast, uh, symbolizing uh, Satan and the powers of this world, rise up and has an army with them, and and so I have to except that there may be people at that point who will choose to join that army, Uh, and so there is a chance that they will be in that, but then there's also references that they will be thrown into the lake of fire or that they will be consumed, and then I think, so who are these people outside then uh, in this eternity? So these are things that I can't ignore, but I have to wrestle with, and we have to wrestle with, but we can also put them in a in a posture that it provides motivation for us to, one, to make sure we're not there. And the way we make sure of that is to be certain that we really have established our relationship with God by accepting that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, by really believing that Jesus walked on this earth, that he lived a life without sin, but that he freely died for us and he died for you. That he freely died for you and that on the third day he rose from the dead. We have to really embrace that. Um, And and it's not just in a repeating words that someone told you to repeat, but in embracing the truth of that. And we have to ask others and we have to encourage that to occur in this lifetime. But, but part of understanding that this is not just a prophecy about what we want to have happen, but to demonstrate the value of knowing our Lord and Savior now is why our lives matter. Because it's not just saying those words. It actually benefits us now. Knowing that relationship with God, but that's what people have to see in us. They have to see that we are living a life that's better than if we did not know our Lord and Savior now. I mean, how pitiful is it when a bunch of Christians walk around saying, oh, poor me. Now, I'll give all of us a moment. (laughs) We're not perfect, and so life beats us down. And that's when our brothers and sisters' job is to lift us up. We are a family, and so that's what we do. But what kind of a testimony are we giving the world when we Christians are bemoaning and crying and complaining and and, and living an oh-poor-me life and then saying, oh, do you want to believe? (laughs) And they go, believe in what? And so that's why it's so important for us to embrace these things and to take them in so that we live a life that has the power in it that reveals that we know the one true God. Knowing these promises, finding these things out, is how we get there. It's how we have that depth. I've got a whole section here, when you have a chance, if you can go to my notes, where I address also this warning and those outside the gates. And I say, but you may complain, what about salvation by grace and not by works? And I want you to know, that's where my... I, I, I'm, I'm all with you on that. My objection is, um, hey, I, I, I'm not saved by my own works. I'm saved by your grace. And that's true. And I've got a whole section that talks how to reconcile those things together. But, you know, frankly, it took me half a week to study this, and so I can't cover everything I've studied. But... Um, um, you might want to read my notes. You can pick up a little bit more. Uh, one other thing I want to tell you is when I, when I wrestle with, with what I teach and to make sure I'm accurate in, my, uh, in what I'm teaching or that there's a, you know, a sound scriptural basis for what I teach, um, you're not off the hook. This verse applies to those who are listening as well. You are not supposed to get your knowledge of scripture just from me or just from Ben. You know, we are supposed to study the word. And in fact, I need you to study the word so that when I'm teaching, you are listening with ears that have a grounding in scripture. You are supposed to be listening asking the Holy Spirit to help you receive the words. And as you hear them, if you hear something that is not true or that you question, your job is to question me. Now, you shouldn't interrupt the service, typically, unless the Holy Spirit really moves you. Uh, but, But to come up with me respectfully and confront me with what, if you think there's an error in the teaching or if you question something, That is your job. That's what we're called upon. The pastor or the teacher is called to study and do their best. But the body is called to also seek to know. And how do you know if you don't study? Uh, And you need to study so that you can test and approve that what you're being taught is accurate so that you're not being led astray by um, a charlatan, you know, it, you know, a fancy talker. Uh, you are supposed to be listening with ears to hear and hearts to process uh, and minds uh, to think through. And also, by the way, you'll get more out of it if you've done that, uh, if you've got that grounding in the study uh, you can come and learn and come to have a relationship with God through just listening to the pastor. But it is so much better if you study it yourself. Uh, I mean, I love Ben's teachings. And I take all kinds of notes because my, my own grounding in Scripture helps me to understand where he's coming from and what he's doing. And and, and my heart, the, the Holy Spirit in me, rejoices and dances and uh, Uh, when he's he's really on all cylinders and teaching a a point that is really significant. But that comes from being grounded in the Scripture. And, I mean, there's a joy in that. Uh, And that's what we're trying to do. I mean, it's my custom that before I teach that I pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit in delivering my teaching. I ask if I'm planning to speak anything that is contrary to God's words as he intended them to be delivered, that those thoughts would be erased from my mind, that that I wouldn't be able to read them from my notes, that I would skip over them. I ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit in that way so that I do not deliver something uh, that is inappropriate. I read this prayer. I modified it a little bit for myself. This is a prayer for the teacher Uh, or someone's sharing word. Uh, It is the humble prayer of this student of the Scripture that none of my teaching, including the teaching presented here today, either add to or subtract from the truth of what is written. Any view or any any interpretation that violates what message was intended by the author, God, should be rejected. So if I teach anything, that isn't grounded in scripture, you should reject it. Uh, It it isn't the gospel according to Jack. Uh, It is God's word. uh, And so participate. Be a part of it because you will grow stronger. Um, The teachings will mean more to you. And the church will be stronger because of your efforts. So as we live in great expectation and great anticipation, join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm amazed of all the plans you have for me, for us. Help me help all of us embrace that love that you've demonstrated throughout history and the promise of that love that you've promised to us for eternity. Help us to embrace that. Help us to make that a part of our very being so that we can live that love now here on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to come to live on earth as it is in heaven. Help us not to wait Help us to have great expectations and great anticipation, but to seek to live in that love now. Hope that to be true for me, Father, and hope it to be true for all those listening, uh, that we can live in that joy, that happiness, even when this world assails us with things that would try to steal our joy and to steal our happiness. They cannot steal what you have given so don't please, Father, strengthen us that we don't relinquish it. We do not let them steal what you have given to us. Father, you are the one who can hold us in your hands. You have promised to do so, and so we rest in that promise. Help us to go forth and live as ones who have heard your word, who have received your spirit, and who know the depth of your love. We lift this up to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.